Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, Chris Jericho and Stone Cold Steve Austin shock the world. We're going to preview TakeOver Stand and Deliver. We're going to preview WrestleMania with the help of Peter Rosenberg. We are in the midst of 10 straight days of wrestling. And this, this is Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. How's everybody doing? I hope good. You're about to get tested. Does wrestling fatigue set in with you? I think if you're a true fan, the answer is no. A lot of people talking about the fact that this year, WrestleMania, if you include AEW, is a 10-day affair. You're talking about starting today at the time this podcast gets published. If you're watching the YouTube version, it's already started. But if you if you download this podcast, which you should, you subscribe to it, when it comes out, Monday morning, then this is the beginning, baby. Enjoy this podcast, because tonight you've got Monday Night Raw. Tomorrow, not one, but two Hall of Fame sessions the 2020 Hall of Fame, and the 2021 Hall of Fame. Not all one show. Two shows back-to-back on Peacock. Leading into Wednesday, NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Night 1 with the NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver pre-show Night 1, of course. Thursday, NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Night 2 with the pre-show for night two, of course. Friday, you've got SmackDown WrestleMania style. Saturday, you've got WrestleMania night one. Sunday, you've got WrestleMania night two. Monday, you've got the Raw after WrestleMania. Tuesday, you've got NXT premiering on Tuesday with Frankie and that Pomeranian dog. And Wednesday, you've got unopposed AEW Dynamite that you can now watch if you haven't been watching it because, I don't know, it's 1999 and you don't have a DVR and you were watching NXT instead. I mean, technically, if you want to watch Impact on Thursday, you can. There's probably a small percentage of people that will. And then we'll start the whole thing over again on Friday with the SmackDown after WrestleMania. I mean, it is absolutely insane what we're getting ready for and all the additional content that's being added. I saw... On the stuff that the WWE was putting out for stuff that's going to the WWE Network, which is now Peacock, rest in peace. We lost the WWE Network this weekend officially in America. I'm about to get one of those uh, IP things. Those, uh, you know, IP make the computer think you're in England things. So I can still have my traditional WWE Network. But everything's on Peacock now. The move has been made. So when I say WWE Network, I really mean Peacock. There's more programming coming to Peacock. That includes best of WrestleMania shows for the 90s, for the 2000s, for the 2010s, if you got the time for them. 
Original programming, I heard it said on the network listing that there's going to be, remember we did Ultimate Royal Rumble and we did Ultimate Elimination Chamber. I was on those shows where myself, Matt Camp, and for the Royal Rumble, it was Evan, Evan T. Mack. And for uh, Elimination Chamber, it was Ryan Papola. You remember we did the fantasy booking and we created our fantasy Royal Rumble and our fantasy Elimination Chamber? I mean, it's said that on Peacock, they're going to be doing the ultimate NXT TakeOver and the ultimate WrestleMania. I mean, who knows who may be involved in either of those two shows. But that's this week. And then you've got the announcement that shocked the world. I want to say on Friday, it was made official, yeah, on Friday. I remember because it was April 2nd. Because I'm sure they realized if we make this announcement on Thursday, April 1st, there is not one person on the planet that will not think it is an April Fool's Day lie. Not an April Fool's Day prank, an April Fool's Day lie. Like when when Michael Strahan goes, oh, I didn't actually fix the gap in my teeth. April Fool's, and I'm like, no, it's not an April Fool's joke. You lied to me on the last day of March, as a matter of fact. It wasn't even on April, April 1st. It was just a lie that you told on the last day of March. I hate April Fool's Day lies. I don't mind pranks. Pranks are fun. Lies are stupid. But they couldn't make this announcement on the first because everybody would have thought it was an April Fool's lie. So they made it on the second. Broken Skull Sessions. Stone Cold Steve Austin sits down with Chris Jericho. And I mean, if your mind is not blown by this, I don't know what's wrong with you. And it should be blown by this for a few reasons. Number one, this is not an old interview. You could tell by Chris Jericho's hair length. If you look at this shot. So before this, earlier, like in, towards the beginning of last week, the network Instagram account just posted this thing. And it was a smoking skull. It was Stone Cold Skull. But it was in the old Countdown to the Millennium Jericho graphic that they played when Jericho was first debuting in August of 99, where it just said Countdown to the Millennium. And it had a timer under it, and it went, And anybody that has been watching long enough associates that graphic, and they played the sound too. And that sound and graphic lasted most of Jericho's original... Y2J run in WWE. That was the beginning. It would, it would like countdown and then break the walls down would hit. But I'm like, are they really using Jericho's graphics and sounds to do a countdown? Like I th I was like acting like I knew something that the WWE network didn't. I knew something that Peacock didn't. Are these idiots really thinking that I don't know that that's Jericho's stuff? I know that's Jericho's stuff. Meanwhile, they were like, yes, yeah, stupid. So did we. It was because Jericho was going to be on the show. So that was the teaser they put out. And then the countdown goes off on, on Friday. And then it opens up and you see the Broken Skull Session studio, Stone Cold's personal studio, and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chris Jericho. And this is not WWE Chris Jericho. This is not between, this is not New Japan Chris Jericho. It's not the Pain Maker. It's not the Ayatollah. This is the Demo God. The demo god, Chris Jericho, sitting across from Stone Cold Steve Austin. You could tell because his hair is going down his back. And they're like, boom, this is happening. 
Chris Jericho. One of, if not arguably the biggest superstars, fame-wise, in AEW, sitting down with Stone Cold Steve Austin representing the WWE on the WWE Network. To say this is unprecedented would be an understatement. This is not WWE working with ECW. This is not WWE working with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. You know, people do like to claim that WWE doesn't work with other organizations, but they did work with Smoky Mountain. They worked with NWA before Impact did. They worked with uh, 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 ECW. Like, they've worked with organizations. They did a whole episode of Raw where half the show is ECW matches for no particular reason. Jim Cornette came bursting onto the scene, acting like everybody knew what Smoky Mountain Wrestling was when he first got there. WWE was partners with Memphis Wrestling for a while, with USWA. Vince McMahon's first heel run was for Jerry Lawler's promotion in Memphis. So WWE has worked with small promotions in the past, but never the big shot promotion. They never did anything cooperating with WCW, especially a promotion that, you know, has made it clear that they are existing. I mean, they say they're existing not to be competitors, but to be an alternative, but that's, you know, business speak for competition. To create an alternative is to is to create a place that eyes that would be on the WWE decide to choose an alternative to. So the fact that Chris Jericho is doing this is unbelievable. Stone Cold Steve Austin did an interview with Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated, who Justin does amazing coverage of WWE over at SI. And he basically told this story that after the interview with Austin and The Undertaker aired, Jericho texted Austin and said, that's a badass interview. And then Austin sent him some emojis back. And then Jericho called him and they got to chit-chatting. And Austin was like, yeah, I'd love to have you on sometime. And Jericho's like, I would do it any time. And Austin was like, well. And he texted Vince McMahon. And he pitched the idea. And Vince like texted back. Cool with me, go ahead. And Stone Cold said that he did, he was like, wait a minute, what is going on here? And Stone Cold had to text Vince McMahon again and go, just to be clear here, AEW superstar Chris Jericho on the Broken Skull sessions for the WWE Network, yes? Vince McMahon hit him with that thumbs up. And Austin's like, well, then we're off to the races. And now we've got promo for it. Now we've got footage from it. It is actually happening. After WrestleMania, like WWE sees the value in this. After WrestleMania, it is happening. And first and foremost, your hat has to go off. I think Chris Jericho had a lot to do with this. I think the stuff that Chris Jericho is able to pull off, you know, Chris Jericho is somehow always associated with cool stuff in wrestling. AEW's the kind of young, upstart, in-your-face rascal of a promotion. Boom, there's Chris Jericho. New Japan's on the rise. Boom, there's Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho's involved with the, you know, the Kevin Owens storyline that he was involved in. The ending sucked at WrestleMania. The man, you know, but up until Festival of Friendship, that was a gangbusters storyline. And I mean, Chris Jericho's storylines speak for themselves, right? The, the Chris Jericho in a suit... Storyline, the fact that he was the first, uh, when, he, when he was feuding with uh, Shawn Michaels, incredible. The fact that he was the first universal champion. He beat Stone Cold in the Rock in one night. 
Like Chris Jericho is able to just pull off magic when he shouldn't be able to, not because it's him and not even because it's WWE or because it's AEW, because it's really, really hard to pull stuff off in any company. I've worked for several different companies. I've worked for CBS radio. I've worked for XM when it was just XM. I currently work for Sirius XM. I've worked for WWE. I've worked for, and I worked for companies before all that as well. And trust me, when I tell you that no matter how good the idea is, no matter how much of a grand slam it seems like, I cannot tell you how many different bosses I've gone to, especially when you don't have access to the big boss, but even when you do have access to the big boss, because I've, not in WWE, but in other companies, I've had access to the big boss. And I can't tell you how many times you go in with an idea that literally there's no downside to. It only is upside. It just makes sense. And you go to them and you, and you pull everything off. I've talked to this person. I've got like, all you have to do is say yes. And I've got everything else solved. And it's still a no. Bro, I've been a serious XM for 15 years. Every time it comes time to negotiate a contract. It's like, you know, Jim Norton and myself had to do, we had to like sign contract extensions every week for, I think a month renegotiating, you know, three years ago when we did just be, and, and, and it wasn't a complicated deal and everybody was happy with the deal and it was all good. It's just to get anything done in a corporate environment, which WWE and AEW are is near impossible. So the fact that Chris Jericho pulled this off, the fact that Stone Cold pulled it off, the fact that the WWE Network as a department were able to get this done, right? Because WWE Network as a department has to answer to their department head, to his department head, to her department head, to Vince McMahon ultimately. So the fact that WWE Network as a department corporately was able to get this done. And the fact that both, because it's both of them, that both Vince McMahon and Tony Khan realize that this is going to be a net positive for everybody. This is just, I mean, it's going to be one of the more buzzed about wrestling things that could happen. And quite frankly, it could open that quote unquote forbidden door that everybody has been talking about. And you could look at this, you could be negative about this. It'd be, it's, you know, you could be negative about anything, but this is so positive for everybody involved, and it's most positive for wrestling fans. It is so great to see, and that's why there's the whole purpose of there being a WWE network is so that we can open up the wrestling conversation and just have it be a conversation about wrestling and not worry about, well, you know, don't say this, don't say that, don't mention this person, don't mention that person. Now, here we go. Because it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, and you can't tell him nothing. And it's Chris Jericho, and you can't tell him nothing. And both those guys have earned that right. These are, this is, this is, talk about a masterclass between two people. I can't wait to watch this interview. I think that Stone Cold has been on a roll. The Randy Orton interview was tremendous uh, that was on the Broken Skull Sessions. And now seeing Jericho uh, as a part of it is just so, so cool. So, Hats off to everybody involved, Vince McMahon, Tony Khan, WWE Network, Jericho, 
Austin, everybody. It's going to be a lot of fun to, to watch people reminisce. And because here's the thing about Jericho. It's like there's one type of interview where it's like The Undertaker or Kurt Angle or Ric Flair or Jerry Lawler when they're kind of reminiscing together with Stone Cold. And then there's the other type of interview where it's Stone Cold more asking questions about what's going on today. And that's with Drew McIntyre and Bailey and Sasha Banks and even Randy Orton, because as much as Randy Orton's been there forever, he was brand new when Stone Cold Steve Austin was on his way out. So as much as there was some reminiscing, that's still more current day. Jericho is the one guy who you can go from reminiscing to the Attitude Era, to the stuff that Stone Cold and Jericho did together, to the what life was like in wrestling back then, to what life is like in WWE, kind of today, not exactly today, but within the last several years, because Jericho was there. I mean, you know, Jericho talking about why, Jericho has had many different runs in WWE. One of those runs, he was just working house shows. What was that all about? I'd love to hear Stone Cold Steve Austin talk to Chris Jericho about that. And then the decision to fly the coop to get out of the the comfort zone of the WWE and first be in New Japan. And then it's one thing to go to New Japan. It's another thing to be like, hey, this organization is showing up to compete with you, Vince. And I'm going to go with them. Oof. What was that decision like? And to hear it from Stone Cold's perspective, I think that it's just going to be a fascinating, fascinating conversation. I can't wait to hear it. I'm so glad it's happening. I think from there, it's like... I mean, because, you know, you're, I, it has to make sense, right? Like, you're not going to see Kenny Omega on the Broken Skull Sessions. I mean, I guess crazier things have happened, but it would be weird to have Kenny Omega on there because you literally, there'd be no footage to show. There's no WWE stuff. Like, you could talk about his time in WWE developmental, but there's nothing WWE about him. So I don't think that that would make sense for Broken Skull Sessions. I think that ultimately... The Rock would be a huge deal to get on that show. I think there's, I mean, Big Show would be interesting now, but that's really just because he left the company and it would be, I, Jericho's a bigger deal, I think. Um, Same with Christian. Like Christian would be a big deal now because he left the company, but still Jericho is, is the bigger deal. You've done The Undertaker. You're now doing Jericho as AEW's top guy. I think there's two left, really, in my head. You've done Vince McMahon a few years ago. It's always going to be big if Vince McMahon were to come back. But I think, And you did Hunter a few years ago. It would always be big if Hunter came back. But I think the big ones would be The Rock. John Cena would be big, but I think that it would be, and it would be CM Punk. Stone Cold Steve Austin interviewing CM Punk would get eyes. I think that's the next big move that I hope comes from the Broken Skull Sessions. Because this version of the Broken Skull Sessions, I think is the best version that we've had. You know, we've had Stone Cold Steve Austin doing his interview show in multiple different kind of versions on the WWE Network. This, for me, is by far the best one. And the fact that Austin can go long, you know, Austin is almost the WWE's answer to Joe Rogan, and it's great. And he's the guy to do it. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's awesome. Um, so there was that bit of good business, and now there's some business that I don't think is any good at all. And that's the business of Hurt. The Hurt business breaking up is a move that I cannot for the life of me understand. Last week on Monday Night Raw, they basically broke up the Hurt business at the beginning of the show. 
And if you saw me tweeting about it, I, at first I was like, no, no. But then I was like, aha, I see what's going on here. WWE is, is going to do a storyline here that is, I love, like I loved on SmackDown last week. And we talked about that on the podcast a little bit, that the lead up to the triple threat announcement was not just Adam Pierce shows up at the beginning of SmackDown and announces a triple threat. It's Daniel Bryan has a complaint at the beginning of the show, middle of the show, Roman Reigns and Edge are trying to be like, don't do anything. End of the show. Adam Pierce makes the announcement based on the events that have happened before the show and during the show. You have a nice story arc, a mini story arc on the show itself that adds to the greater story arc of the entire match. I love a mini episode story arc, a story that lasts just through the one episode of television. Love it. I was expecting that with the Hurt Business. I could have sworn that's where they were going. I really thought that at the end of the show, even after I said, okay, they're doing Bobby Lashley versus Shelton Benjamin. And even before that match happened, I had already established, okay, at the end of tonight's show, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander are going to come out and beat up Drew McIntyre. They're going to be the ones trying to collect the bounty. And then it's going to be like all's well that ends well. The Hurt Business is still together. That's where I thought it was going. Then I watched Shelton Benjamin versus Bobby Lashley. And I said, that, that doesn't mean anything. Like, you could still have that. They're competitive guys. And MVP even said, they were like, look at the way Bobby Lashley dominated Shelton Benjamin. And MVP goes, yeah, and he was going light on him. Which, in one way, is doing a little more to, I wouldn't say protect Bobby Lashley, but up his standings even higher as he heads into the main event defending the championship at WrestleMania. But it also gives you this sort of wiggle room where you can go, well, he was going easy on Shelton Benjamin. So they're still on the same page. They're still partners. And I really thought that's what it was. So at the end, when Baron Corbin comes out, first of all, like, I thought it got real weird. Drew McIntyre basically went into the locker room and gave pretty much every babyface on the roster a reason to want to kick his ass which I felt made Drew McIntyre come across like a bad guy. Drew McIntyre, to me, on Raw, in that scene in the locker room, did not come across as a guy that I wanted to cheer. He came across like a dick. I was like, what a total a-hole this guy is in the locker room. Like, if I was sitting in that locker room, let's, let's dip into canon for a second. Let's become a part of the story. If I'm sitting in that locker room, and Drew McIntyre comes in like, you know, like he's all bad about it and rowdy, rowdy. Acting like, why aren't any of you trying to take the title shot? Why aren't any of you trying to beat me up? It's like, bro, you're the, you're, you're captain, our captain. You're the locker room leader. We want you to go beat Bobby Lashley so you can be the champion, be the locker room leader and make WWE a healthier place. I thought that was the story that we were telling, but you are not coming in here with a healthy team attitude whatsoever. You are coming in here talking down to all of us. You are coming in here pie-facing Umberto Carrillo. This man can't even get on TV. And you're beating up Umberto? That's not cool at all. I like Umberto Carrillo. I just bought his action figure. I found the basic. Not only did I find an Umberto Carrillo action figure, I found the Chase version too. And guess what? I bought both of them. Two basics. And it's not that big of a deal. 
because two basics cost the same as one elite. And I'll buy elite figures all day. So I'll buy two basics if I see the Chase version. I got two Umberto Carrillo action figures. I would have put them on the desk, but but I almost called him Alberto Del Rio because Alberto Del Rio was a jerk when he was, his character was a jerk when he was in WWE too. And Drew McIntyre was acting like a jerk. I can't put Umberto Carrillo's action figure up there. He got pie-faced by the challenger for the title. So I'm like, okay, now everybody in the locker room should come out and beat this guy up at the end of the day. Everybody. I'm like, I like Ricochet. I don't want to see Ricochet get his ass kicked. I like Mustafa Ali. I don't want to see Mustafa Ali get his ass kicked either. I would love to see a WrestleMania main event between Mustafa Ali and Ricochet. I think that'd be a great match. But Drew McIntyre just going around humiliating people. Like it's going out of style. It's not fair. It's not right. It's not nice. It's not nice. I liked it when Baron Corbin came out and beat him up. I had a grudge against him at that point. And then, but although when Baron Corbin came out, I was like, because Baron Corbin is the consummate heel, like Baron Corbin is like the Miz, you should never turn him babyface. And the reason we know that about the Miz is because that one time we won't talk about it. Let's just put it this way. You should never turn the Miz babyface. But you should never do that with Baron Corbin either. And I don't think you ever will. So when Baron Corbin came out and helped Bobby Lashley, I was like, are you trying to tell me like that? We broke up the Hurt Business and then added Baron Corbin to really make it clear that Bobby Lashley is a heel. Why don't you instead take that energy and make it clear that Drew McIntyre is an awesome dude? I want to see an awesome dude beat Bob Lashley. If you can convince me that Drew McIntyre is an awesome dude, I'll cheer for him. Because I've talked to him in real life. He actually is an awesome dude. I talked to him way before he was champion. He had the same attitude. Drew McIntyre IRL is an awesome dude. Drew McIntyre in canon, as of last week on Raw, a jerk. I want to see him be an awesome dude because I cheer for awesome dudes. I don't cheer for total jerks. So I guess it remains to be seen if Baron Corbin is actually going to join the Hurt Business. If maybe the new Hurt Business is going to be MVP with Bob Lashley and Baron Corbin. Or if that was just a one-off. You know, that wasn't explained. I'm assuming it'll be explained a little bit more this week on Raw. Baron Corbin will be there. I think he has a match with Drew McIntyre as they lead into WrestleMania. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you what I do know. I'm about as excited for TakeOver Stand and Deliver as I have ever been for a TakeOver. I thought this week's NXT was amazing. I thought it was an excellent, excellent episode of NXT. I think the last three or four weeks of NXT have probably been the best show wrestling shows on television. And I think the buildup to stand and deliver has been perfect. You know, takeovers are always at least good, but there's no way you can tell me that stand and deliver both nights won't be excellent. Both nights. I mean, night two looks like something out of a fantasy. This is a dream night for your old pal, Sam Roberts, but night one even looks amazing. Like, When I look at night one and night two, and I think about that fact that I am hosting the pre-show for night one and night two of NXT, I go easy day at the office. Like, there's not one match on this entire two nights. There's 10 matches announced. 
Zero out of 10 matches will be difficult to hype up. Each pre-show is going to be an hour. Usually they're 30 minutes. It's an hour-long pre-show before night one and an hour-long pre-show before night two. If you told me it was a three-hour pre-show and there's no matches before each of these shows, I would have no issue with it. If you were like, Sam, it's going to be a three-hour pre-show and you will have no panelists and no guests and no matches. Just you, three music thanks, and a microphone. I'd go get the music thanks out of here. I'm going to need all three hours. Thank you very much. Because that's how excited I am about this show. Let's go down the card. Pete Dunn versus Kushida. I love this match. I love the way it's promoted. We're going to find out who the best technical wrestler in NXT is. Both these guys need the victory. Both these guys need to get launched into that next level. You know, Kushida lost at the last takeover in an attempt to get the North American Championship. Of course, uh, both of these guys got eliminated themselves, I guess eliminated each other from the Battle Royal, which took them out of contention for the North American Championship on this takeover. So you have, and, and, and you have to believe that the, the winner of this match is going to win clean. I want to see Kushida win this match. I think that, that Pete Dunne, a lot has already been done in the last year or so for Pete Dunne. <laughs> no pun intended. But the association, starting with the association with Pat McAfee, so kind of starting around war games and then going forward, his match with Finn Balor or his matches. Like, did he have more than one match? I don't remember. But at least the one match with Finn Balor. Like, I, I think that Pete Dunne is operating on a different level now. And I think that he can remain operating on that next level, even with a loss. I think if Kushida were to lose again, then you would be showing that there is a glass ceiling. Now, maybe not, depending on how he lost. But I think that Kushida, Kushida stands to benefit more from this win. For I, I, for me, I'm going with Kushida. Clean victory. Great back and forth. Lots of offense from Pete Dunne. You know, Kushida was just the better man on this night. Should there be a rematch, Pete Dunne may just as easily win. But that night, on night one of TakeOver Stand and Deliver, Kushida was the better man. MSK versus the Griddle Young Vets versus Legato Del Fantasma. Um... I think it's I, I I think it's MSK's time, you know. As much as you want to say, like the Grizzle Young Vets have been putting in that work, and just having good match after good match after good match, and like they never quite get there. But I really think that MSK is a breath of fresh air in NXT. I think that MSK has rejuvenated the tag team division. Um, they're young. They feel relevant, you know. Just in that segment alone, when they were doing the popcorn thing with Beth. Uh, during the uh, the presentation of the Dusty Trophy, like I, I I think very highly of MSK, and I think putting the title on them would be a good show of faith. I think you have to let people know that you can come into NXT, and it might not take five years before you're on the top of the mountain. It might not take five years before you're a title holder. Like the idea that MSK would come in, show up, and boom, they're the cha- they won the Dusty Cup, and now they're the tag champions. I think that that would be a good show of faith. And the beauty of a triple threat is I would have MSK get the fall over Legato Del Fantasma and then start a tag team championship rivalry between MSK and the Grizzled Young Veterans with the Grizzled Young Veterans chasing them. 
And maybe at some point, maybe on NXT television, you can have the Grizzle Young Veterans get the title from MSK. And then maybe at a future takeover, have MSK get the title back. You know, I'm not saying don't give the Grizzle Young Vets a chance to be the NXT Tag Team Champions. But I think that, that, that Stand and Deliver is the time to put the stamp on MSK and let the people know we're thinking about the future. And this is a big part of the future. Leon Ruff starts the six-man gauntlet eliminator to determine the number one contender for the NXT North American Championship. Leon Ruff and Isaiah Swerve Scott are number one and two. They're going to have three minutes to tear it up. I think that that's very smart. Then Bronson Reed comes out three minutes after that. Camera grinds. Then Dexter Loomis. Then LA Knight rounds out the heap. I think that, I think that you're looking, you know, LA Knight right now, obviously we all know what he can do. We've, Probably, I would assume most of us have seen the stuff he's done in Impact, seen the stuff he's done in in, in NWA. I'm not going to call him by his old name because uh, I have to remember LA Knight because I will call him by his old name on a kickoff show if I do not just only say LA Knight. That's one of the, like, if I, yeah, LA Knight, LA Knight, LA Knight. I don't even remember what he used to be called because I will say it on a pre-show and it will be embarrassing. LA Knight, you know, I'm not exactly sure who he is in NXT right now. He looks like a wrestler. He sound, He looks like a good wrestler. He sounds like a good wrestler. He performs like a good wrestler. But he just, it, everything, it feels a little pro wrestling. I don't know who he is right now, other than a heel wrestler who's full of himself, who cuts really good promos. I think that, I don't love the idea of LA Knight versus Johnny Gargano on night two of TakeOver, and that's where this is going. I think Bronson Reed is the guy. You know, Bronson Reed got a clean victory over LA Knight, which I, I don't think most people expected. I think that LA Knight versus Dexter Loomis is is actually, I think, the right place for both of those guys. I don't think Dexter Loomis has that much of a place right now. And I don't think LA Knight does at the moment either. But I think an, a, a rivalry between Dexter Loomis and LA Knight that eventually culminates with LA Knight winning and then he can move on to higher things. I think that that's where I would go with that. Um, Cameron Grimes, while it would be good, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think he needs it. Um, and yeah, I, I just don't see Swerve Scott or I don't see another Leon Ruff match for sure. But I do see Leon Ruff maybe pinning Swerve Scott and eliminating him from the gauntlet eliminator because it's every three minutes a superstar comes out, but it's still pinfalls and submissions. So ultimately, I see it as Bronson Reed. I see this. I see Bronson Reed as a guy that they think has a lot of potential, and I think that he needs the spotlight put on him. He needs a big match, win or lose. He needs a big match, and I think there's a real story you could tell, you know. And there's a reason for a heel Johnny Gargano to be afraid of Bronson Reed. So Bronson Reed is my pick in that match. Walter versus Champa might be the match I'm looking forward to the most on both nights. It's definitely the match I'm looking forward to the most on night one. It's probably, honestly, it's probably this and the ladder match that I'm looking forward to the most uh, with TakeOver altogether. Uh, ultimately, I think Walter wins, which is kind of a shame because I feel like Champa's in a similar position that he was in when he was facing uh, uh, Karrion Cross for Karrion Cross's first takeover match. Um, you know, I'd love to see Champa return to the main event scene. I'd love to see Champa return to a place with Goldie. But I don't think that he's there right now. 
And I think Walter is going to remind America who Walter is. This is going to be really good. This is going to be really good. And then the main event, Io Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez. This could go either way, you know. I, I might have a similar thought with MSK that Raquel Gonzalez being the NXT Women's Champion, number one, it's new blood. Number two, it's forward thinking. And number three, it opens up the field to a lot more women's championship matches. You know, Io Shirai has had a pretty long run, an extremely dominant run. And it's still, NXT finds themselves in their women's division a lot where it feels like nobody can beat the champion. It's the way it was with Asuka. It's the way it was with uh, um, Shayna Baszler. And that's kind of the place we're at with Io Shirai right now. So Raquel Gonzalez being a spoiler, I think, is a, is a, is a good is a good call. And I really like Raquel Gonzalez. I think, I think her being an unstoppable heel NXT women's champion is a good, is a good thing. Night two, Ember Moon and Shotzi defending the uh, NXT tag team championship against the way. Uh, I, I would like to see the way Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell as NXT tag champions, but ultimately the titles already changed hands once and it's only been around for two weeks. So I don't think that there should be another title change. Uh, you've got Johnny Gargano versus the uh, Gauntlet Eliminator winner, which I think will be Bronson Reed. And I would like to see Bronson Reed win that title. I'd like to see Bronson Reed beat Johnny Gargano and have the way have to just completely redo things, have them both lose on the same night. Uh, Cruiserweight Championship ladder match, Jordan Devlin versus Santos Escobar. This is a show stealer. This is match of the year potential. This is going to be insane. Uh, but definitely Santos Escobar. Uh, this match is going to redefine the Cruiserweight Championship in NXT. You know, this is going to take it out of the sort of 205 Live stigma. Santos Escobar has done a lot to do that. But yeah, this is just going to, this is going to turn people on their heads. And I think Santos Escobar walks out champion. Uh, and then you've got kind of a double main event ski. You got Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole unsanctioned. Um, I'd like to see Adam Cole win this one, actually. You know, I don't think this is going to be the end of the story. I think this is the beginning of the story. Uh, I think this is going to be bloody. I think this is going to be insane. I think we're going to fear for Kyle O'Reilly and for Adam Cole. But I think Adam Cole could use this big victory. I think Adam Cole needs to be in that conversation of top guy in NXT. And in order to be in that conversation, I think he should beat Kyle O'Reilly. Maybe get Roderick Strong's help a little bit. Or, yeah, I mean, that's probably, I, I'd have Adam Cole win. And then Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross. Honestly, I think most people think Karrion Cross is walking out with the NXT Championship. I'd like to see Finn Balor be the first person to beat Karrion Cross. And then I'd like to see somebody come out of nowhere. Like, I think this should be a classic takeover moment. Like, the last takeover, we got back to the... Takeover is at its best when you just have a night of some, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. You just have a night of some of the best wrestling you could ever see. And then some swerve happens at the very end where you're like, oh my God, I have got to tune in. And now that they're moving nights, they're going to Tuesday. You got more reason than ever that on Thursday, you need to have something on Peacock that's going to send people to the USA Network on Tuesday. And I think having Finn Balor hand Karrion Cross his first defeat, because I think Karrion Cross is kind of flirting with becoming a, a baby face anyway. 
And I think that Karrion Cross losing and then going after a heel would be the best way to turn him babyface. Um, but have somebody jump Finn Balor, maybe Adam Cole, maybe, uh, but, but it could be somebody brand new. I'd love to see a surprise appearance in NXT. I'd love a big surprise to end night two. Somebody taking out Finn Balor who retains the NXT championship. That's what I want to see. I'd love to hear what you want to see. So, uh, Hit me up. Not Sam Wrestling at gmail.com is my email. You can, if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave comments. If you're on Patreon, you can uh, leave comments on that too. You can hit us in the Discord, whatever you want to do. Don't forget uh, the, I talked about YouTube. The visual version, the video version of this monologue portion of the podcast is available for free every week at youtube.com slash not Sam Wrestling. Make sure you go to youtube.com slash not Sam Wrestling and you subscribe to that channel. We post our interviews and we post the video version of the Not Sam Wrestling podcast every week. If you want to see everything on video, if you want to see the entire podcast on video and you want to see me live, doing it live every single week, then you've got to become a Not Sam show. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, you can watch, not only can you watch the show live, but we do a Q&A at the end of every single podcast. Uh, for some of the upper tiers, we do Zoom meetings just about every single week where we talk about wrestling in there. We do pay-per-view pre-shows as long as I'm not on the real pre-show. Uh, the podcast comes out early and ad-free for everybody on Patreon. So sign up, patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling. Uh, you can also go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling. And while you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts. Look up Not Sam Wrestling. If you're not subscribed, subscribe. Leave a rating. Leave a review, help a brother out. And if you'll notice, we talked about how busy the schedule is. We talked about Jericho and Austin. We talked about TakeOver. We haven't even mentioned the fact that this is WrestleMania week. But that's because WrestleMania is back in business and it's too big for one night. And I thought WrestleMania is too big for one professional broadcaster. So I am bringing in. I don't know if he's the, you know, he's not the Joker to my Batman. He's probably the Superman to my Batman. Ladies and gentlemen, from Cheap Heat, the ESPN Wrestling Podcast, Peter Rosenberg, you also know him from the WWE kickoff shows, is joining me to break down WrestleMania this week. Let's go to it right now. We're going to break down WrestleMania with Peter Rosenberg. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. <clears throat> Welcome back to the podcast. Somebody who I would say is a fellow professional broadcaster. And the only reason I get to be the last professional broadcaster is because I think I'm I'm like like slightly younger. And that that's it. That's you're, the only, like you're a few years younger. Are you? Well, I mean, you look better, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Peter Rosenberg is here. What's going on, man? Two most hated broadcasters in all of professional wrestling coming together. Mega Powers Unite, brother. That's what it is. It's the Mega Powers Uniting. Now, did you, when I, uh, I guess at this point it was a year and a half ago, really just took a turn and started to embrace the hate that I was getting anyway, but now it's like I'm going to really give you a reason. And I'm sure at points you would open your Twitter account and go, oh, my God, like, I thought they didn't like Sam before, but this is on a completely different level. Did it 
give you a sense of relief in the sense that, I mean, they're going to be so busy hating Sam, at least in the temporary, that maybe I'll get a slight reprieve? Or how did you feel? Um, well, I, a, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> good. I, I thought it was really, not, I didn't enjoy it. Not for the reason you're laughing at. I, I just thought it was good. Right. Quality stuff. Um, but no, I mean, you know what it is? I, we've talked about this before and I, I think you do a better job of dealing with hate than I do, at least ostensibly. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how much you hate yourself personally. We, I only, you know, we all know our own self-hatred. We don't know what others is right right so ostensibly i think you handle yours better but i i i think for me it's challenging when i'm not playing a heel and people just hate me I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the show like i'll do a kickoff show yeah where i if i do say so myself objectively <laughs> say only really as high quality analysis as one can offer given the sort of framework of what we're doing. Yeah. And I deliver it in a way that's presentable and high quality and people don't understand sort of the challenges that come with talking about WWE product on WWE television, because again, not professional broadcasters and they don't understand it. Um, And then afterwards, when you would look and be like, I, I can't fucking stand this guy. I was like, I didn't even say anything that was worthy of hate. So I think it, I'm not as good as embracing it. And then when I most prepared for it, when the 24-7 championship came, mm-hmm. I most prepared for it. And then I didn't get as much as I thought I would get. Like, I didn't get as much hate for the 24-7 championship as I get for, like, random opinions that I just give on the show. Right. Right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think on that show, it's I think it was that show that you were like, nobody wants to see Asuka. And, like, I went back and watched that clip because I was like, wait, he's getting some of that Sam Roberts, like, we, like yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm like, you know. If anybody is going to be mislabeled a misogynist, it's going to be me, not Peter Rosenberg. But I'm like, I'm like going through and like I went back and watched the clip and I'm like, that's not he didn't say that at all. Like he clearly was like, that's not what he was saying. And and and, and I noticed that, that you got more heat for people misunderstanding a thing that you said. Then yes. I felt like when you won the 24-7 title. Yeah, you got the, no, the 24-7 title thing was actually a little. It was a little more pleasant than I expected it to be. It was like, it was almost as if most people understood, oh, like that's sort of a clever thing to do with the 24-7 title because, you know, that's what that title's for. Right, right. And so I, I got a, I think people thought it was actually, you know, fairly well done. And then you, and you look around, if you look at all the different times that titles exchange hands, including last time when it was traded for merchandise. And I think the way that we did it was actually pretty cool. So yeah. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, dude, I was saying on the pie, I was saying on the, I think it was on the Patreon podcast. It was literally like a few days ago. I only found out very recently that the 24 seven title was not on bad bunny anymore. It completely, like, I guess I just wasn't paying attention to that promo as much as I should have been. Cause I hadn't realized that he'd given the, he just handed the title back to our truth. So like when people were like, yeah, it was our- very weird. Yeah. It was, it was very weird. I don't even know. I don't know necessarily why they had to do it. I'm sure there's some logic to it, but the 24 seven title had been such a cool part of the bad bunny thing that just like being like, Hey, here you go. I was kind of like, Oh, okay. Maybe it was so like kind of have that till mania. 
maybe it was like, well, you didn't you didn't show up with it to the Grammys. Like we got SNL, but we were trying to get the Grammys too. And then we, you're not going to find if you're not going to show it at the Grammys, we're taking it away. Then you can't have it. <laughs> what are we going to do on TV without Bad Bunny? I mean, seriously, I don't like know. Post mania. Do we do we move on without him? How does this happen? Yeah. And I mean, what is the Miz just start acting like, OK, it's time to get back into rivalries with professional wrestlers where it's like, no, bro, you've been <laughs> you've been dealing with Bad Bunny the whole time. Like we forgot that you were WWE champion for a week. Because right. it's just, it's literally been for four months from January until April. The Miz and Bad Bunny have been intertwined. It's actually the longest story of everything happening at WrestleMania this year. Wow. Have you already figured this out? Or are I, you figuring I, it out on the spot? No, I'm, I'm figuring this out as we speak because the only thing that could even start to compete with that would be if you would make the argument, well, the people that won the Royal Rumble. Because the Miz Bad Bunny rivalry starts at the Royal Rumble. But the people that won the Royal Rumble didn't declare. Edge and Bianca didn't declare. Immediately. Yeah, they took weeks to declare. So it's like the seeds were planted for Bad Bunny and the Miz before any of it. So technically, that is the longest that we've been waiting for a payoff going into WrestleMania is Bad Bunny versus the Miz. That's a, it's a totally fair point. And I mean, Bobby and... Drew have history, but their real story doesn't begin until after that, a month after. I mean, yeah, technically that doesn't, yeah, until like after Fastlane. Like it wasn't, yeah. we weren't even considering the idea that it could be Bobby and Drew at that point. I mean, some people were like, what's it going to be, The Miz versus Drew? What's it like? That wasn't, that wasn't even a thought really. So yeah, The Miz versus Bad Bunny is the historical rivalry that we're finally going to see come to a head at WrestleMania Fine, this year. It's Finally, it pays it off. It's like it's like when Hogan and Andre finally got their hands on each other. Exactly. Know? The year-long build to WrestleMania five between Savage and Hogan. It's one of those <laughs> things. It is. I hope they put together like the most insane video packages for that match, particularly. Like I hope that the only thing because I think the Miz, the honestly, maybe the only other than the Undertaker Triple H match, the only other good thing at WrestleMania twenty seven was the Miz's video package. The You Can Hate Me Now video package going into oh, John yeah, Cena versus awesome. The Miz. Yeah, it was incredible. I hope that The Miz and Bad Bunny have video storytelling packages going into their match that are so good that it's like, you know, you talk about Miz, You Can Hate Me Now. You, you talk about uh, Rock and Austin, My Way, going into WrestleMania. And you awesome. talk about Miz and Bad Bunny and whatever video storytelling that they have going into their match. A story for the ages. How do you think Bad Bunny has done? I mean, you're, there, there has been some debate, I think, on the internet. Like, I, I actually do think it's been an overwhelmingly positive thing. I think Bad Bunny is a very mainstream, credible celebrity to have involved with WWE. I feel like uh, doing all this while he was at the Grammys and having the 24-7 title on SNL, like, I think that all does mean something. I think that there are some wrestling fans that maybe are not aware of the gravity that Bad Bunny has in in the music industry and mainstream celebrity in general, but you're you're as much a music guy as I know. You're on a on on a GD morning show for crying out loud, talking about hip hop music. Loud. So, sure. what do you what sure. do you think of uh, of the Bad Bunny of the Bad Bunny thing and how he's been used and and everything? Talked about that a lot this week on Cheap Heat. Actually, I, I think it's been generally good. Mm -hmm. I think he is a generally good. Um, 
hand for lack of a better word. I mean, even though he's not always speaking in English, even when he's speaking in Spanish, like he always comes off as kind of legit to me. Mm -hmm. Um, When I've seen him around, he appears to be very much what he appears to be on camera. Um, And I, I don't think they, the only, my only issue, I guess, it's not about what they've done with bad bunny. It's sort of a, and we talked about this this week is sort of about the handling of celebrity in general on the show. It's just a bit much. Mm-hmm. It's a, the, 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 you know, Grammy nominated worldwide recording artist. It's because to me, it's like this, you either know who bad bunny is and you get why they're doing this or you're Dave Meltzer and you're not going to get it. Right. And you're not going to convince those people by selling them on his accolades. They're still not going to care. So just let it be what it is and and let it and let it resonate with the people it resonates with. And if you want to get another celebrity like Logan Paul, um, you know, to, to resonate with other people, then that's fine. But I would just say we don't need to overdo it so much. Let's treat it like it is. He's part of the show now. Bad Bunny's part of the show. It's almost He's like here now. it's almost like when like a big guy starts every promo by announcing that they're seven feet tall. And it's like, yeah, I know. But like, you don't have to tell me every single time. Like I can see. Yeah, we get it. I can see how tall you are. You would never, I don't think in real life you would ever like, if you're going to get in a fight with somebody at a bar, you wouldn't announce, Hey, I'm seven feet tall, by the way. He'd be like, I know I saw, I can see you. You're bad bunny. You're a musician. You're not a wrestler. We know we get it. We get it. Um, Right. But I, I do think generally it's been pretty well done. Um, hopefully they'll pull off a good match. I didn't love the the trade of goods for the title, but that's not a big deal at all. It's no. it's silly. It's it's crazy. So no, I, in, in general, I'm good with it. I think he was a good choice. You know, I think he's someone who cares about it and wants to be involved in it. You know, I I, I sort of yearn for the day where we sort of know that wrestling is cool enough that people should want to be associated with it, and we don't feel like we have to chase it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the Attitude Era, it felt like people were chasing wrestling. Right, right, and where it's like... I don't think we need to chase celebrities. You get people who work, and Bad Bunny happens to be one who actually wants to do it. And it's like a huge fan, right? Like, I mean, the fact that there is maybe, and maybe it warms my heart a little bit that it's like, I've purchased shirts from Wrestling For Sale. You've purchased shirts from Wrestling For Sale. Bad Bunny has purchased search from Wrestling For Sale. So it's like we do know <laughs> that he's a legit fan, and he is, and I think he that's is. part of, right, like... Ultimately, even if people, even the people that don't like you were kind of happy when you won the 24-7 championship, because whether you like me or not, or whether you like you or not, or whether you like Bad Bunny or not, you can't question the fact that they- How into it we all are. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. And I don't know if you heard on the on the Triple H NXT media call, he was saying that Bad Bunny literally relocated to Orlando and has been at the Performance Center every day. Oh, wow. So he's really trying to go at Mania, huh? Yeah, yeah. I was shocked that they, I, I assumed, I was really happy about this match because I'm a big Damian Priest fan, and I thought that the tag match was obviously where they were going, right? That And it would be like a great opportunity to have Damian Priest have a pretty big match at WrestleMania. I thought, I thought it was the perfect setup. It right. was the perfect setup. And it's still good that Damian Priest will still have a presence at WrestleMania, right? Like, he'll still be there in the corner. But I was pretty surprised when they went Bad Bunny, Miz, singles match. Also, a tag match kind of takes some of the flack away. Like, if the Miz does end up taking a fall to Bad Bunny, at least you could have Damian Priest do some damage first. When it's one-on-one, theoretically, and the Miz loses to Bad Bunny, that's a, that's a little bit tougher to walk my, out my of. Guess is, my guess is Damian Priest will 
still inflict some damage. But I guess they thought with Morrison being hurt, this was the only option. I wonder could have covered that and still had the tag match and mm-hmm. Morrison just didn't do very much, but maybe that would have served the same purpose. So um, it'll be interesting. It'll make it, but it will make it more interesting though, Sam, because now pay hey, bunnies have more work to do. So yeah. it will make it a little <laughs> bit more interesting. I mean, if, if Ronda Rousey's first match at mania, wasn't the tag match with triple H and staff, it was just her. Mm-hmm. It's a different animal. So I am curious to see what he does in a match by himself. He'll have to do more than throw a punch and do a splash. I also, I love the idea too, that they went to Miz and they were like, good news, bad news. Good news. You're going to get to be WWE champion. Bad news. Then you got to do the J-O-B to bad bunny one-on-one at WrestleMania. Look, that is, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> it is. Right, right. Well, it was crazy. He, bad bunny, slapped slapped Miz across the face on Sunday and then Miz went out and won the title that night. So at the pay-per-view that Miz won the title, right? he was also slapped in the face by Bad Bunny. So it's all been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's like, which, which is bizarre, um, but whatever. I mean, I, don't, I, I doubt Miz is losing sleepover. No, and, and ultimately, like, you know, as much as we want to think, well, it sucks because he's going to lose to a celebrity. It's a, it's it's one of the big marquee matches at WrestleMania. I don't think that the Miz is is hurting for this. No, and this is a tried. Th- by the way, it, all the things to talk about with WrestleMania, this is probably one of the least problematic. Things <laughs> well, like, this is not. This is fine. Yeah, yeah, no, and I'm yeah, I'm perfectly fine with it. And like I said. You have four months of story building to it. Like honestly, we should be sitting there and going, like, this is exactly what we should be hoping for in a in a in a WrestleMania match. You know, ultimately, did we want Bam Bam Bigelow to lose to Lawrence Taylor? No, but was Bam Bam Bigelow going to the main event of WrestleMania without Lawrence Taylor? Was he getting that big of a match without Lawrence Taylor? No. So it's like all's well that ends well, I think. Uh, and the same for the Miz. But yeah, how how what have you thought about the build to WrestleMania? I feel like uh we're now a week or so, six days at the time of this podcast drops away. We've got six matches announced for both nights, plus three matches announced, or two maybe, two matches announced for SmackDown WrestleMania. Which I have you heard about SmackDown WrestleMania? No. So they've announced that SmackDown WrestleMania is happening the Friday before WrestleMania. And I'm, I'm sorry. What is that? SmackDown WrestleMania is going to have the Andre Battle Royal on it and a fatal four-way for the tag championship, which as a fan, I'm sitting there going like, you know, I don't cool. Like I, I watch SmackDown and there'll be the Andre Battle Royal. But then I start thinking about like the guy. Imagine going through a year of not wrestling in front of fans and being like, look, even if I'm in the Andre Battle Royal, at least I get to wrestle in front, in front of, of fans. fans. WrestleMania. Right. And then. WWE is like, whoa, not so fast there, Charlie. Like, let's uh, let's slow it down. No, no, no. We're doing Thunderdome. We're doing Thunderdome for for the Andre Battle Royal. I know they announced that last night. Yes, yeah, on on Friday, yeah. I did not finish. I did not finish SmackDown yet. I did not know that was a thing. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I don't mind you now that SmackDown's on Fridays again. Right. I don't, and it's a two day WrestleMania. I don't mind SmackDown being a preview of WrestleMania. Yes. Um, I get it. I get it. You're selling it on Friday night on TV. Right. So I, 
you know, I don't necessarily take issue with that. Uh, I'll have to see what the execution is like before I make a, a full judgment on it. But and they're calling it SmackDown WrestleMania. No, I, I'm calling it that. It's like the okay WrestleMania. It is something like it's like a wrestle. It's like a special WrestleMania edition of SmackDown. Like it's God, clearly okay. like a special thing, but it's not just called SmackDown WrestleMania. That's I was like, they're, they're just going with SmackDown WrestleMania. That seems no. Okay. Sometimes I name things just to make them easier in my head. SmackDown. No, and I know you do, and it's I actually, but it sounded legit there. I was like, okay, well, all right, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and then I saw that there's no women's battle royal on WrestleMania this year. I'm hopeful that there'll be. So here's my thinking too. My theory is that they want the first crowd pop to happen on WrestleMania proper, which would be why the Andre Battle Royal would be on SmackDown. Because if you put a match on the first night of the kickoff show, then that's your first pop in front of fans. And maybe not even the fans, fans might not even be completely in the building yet. And it's just like, Correct. it's you know what I mean? It's a little lackluster. So, so if there is no match on the first pre-show night, First of all, I know that assuming that you'll be a panelist, which I think you will be, um, I will. It's always good news when there's no match on the pre-show because that means we get to blab more, right? Like that's always that's, that's always that's correct. That's always fun. If, 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 right, if there's a 15 minute match. <laughs> yeah, royal. I mean, right. We've been on those for the battle royal before. You're like, oh my god, they're still going. We're losing the whole hour here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although when they're like, like oh, the nights. So, sometimes you're like. We need to get a match in here. <laughs> that's true too. Yeah, that's true. There's some pay per views where you're like, okay, we talked about the main event. Let's uh, we got a second match to go to, or we got, we got another match. You think? <laughs> but that I, is an interesting question, though, of who gets that first pop at WrestleMania on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, and 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 let's talk about because I would also say on the pre-show note, I would be okay with a pre-show match on night two because we've already felt the reaction. Yeah. So, like, I think that they should put the women's battle royal pre-show night two if you're not gonna do it on the main card i would say pre-show night two would be a good time for the women's battle royal and we could still have that announced this week but yeah let's talk about night one of wrestlemania so we've got six matches announced for uh night one we've got sasha and bianca we've got bobby and drew bad bunny and the miz new day versus aj and almost braun versus shane in a battle of who is the stupidest and Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. By the way, Braun versus Shane is a cage match. Uh, and Seth versus Cesaro. So, yeah. So, I, I think that the debate, the whole debate here is who is going to main event night one of WrestleMania. And I personally, like, what I want to see is I want Drew and Bobby to open the show. And for the first pop, to go to Drew and Bobby. And I want Sasha and Bianca to main event. That's what I want to see night one for WrestleMania. Does the storytelling get us there? And have they kind of not done what they've needed to do with Sasha and Bianca building to WrestleMania to get us to a place where we can justify a main event? Sasha and Bianca justifies a main event just simply because A, the winners of each battle royal should main an event each night. Oh, so you're one of these Royal Rumble should be the main event because I saw it, that was a debate that raged. It did it, it very much. I, I didn't know it raged. It raged. It, it, oh, it raged on Twitter. The uh, uh, I think uh, 
the WWE on Fox account, whatever they put out, who should main event WrestleMania? And Royal Rumble started trending on Twitter because everybody was like, well, Royal Rumble should main event. And I was sitting there going, we need to have a bigger discussion than that because while that's been said, historically, that has not been the case many, many, many times. There's lots of WrestleMania, there's lots of Royal Rumble winners that opened WrestleMania. For sure. And uh, in general, they probably need to change the language to simply get to challenge for a championship at WrestleMania, Correct. not go on to headline WrestleMania. Correct. But in this case where you're having a two-day WrestleMania, mm-hmm. it just seems like a no-brainer to have the winner from the women's and the winner from the men's on each night, respectively. Right. On top of that, when you look at the night one card, Sasha and Bianca, to me, has the overall most cachet. Mm-hmm. Sasha has been the preeminent star of the women's division or tied with one or two others for the last, well, gosh, we're pushing near a decade, what, six, seven years, something like that? Yeah. 2050 or six years. So, and then you have Bianca, who is as high a ceiling talent as there is in the company right now. And she's over, people love her, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. If you look at the rest of the card, obviously Bad Bunny and Miz is not main eventing. Obviously New Day and AJ and almost in their first tag match is not main eventing. Um, Braun and Strowman, there's a world in which it could, but that would be silly. Yeah. Um, so the only real conversations you have are Cesaro and Seth, no title involved. It'll be the best match of the night, maybe, but mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. So it's about Lashley and Drew. And while Lashley and Drew is cool, and I understand that it's possible we could get Lashley, given how infatuated they appear to be with his run right now, I just don't think there's enough cachet with that to make it, uh, rise above Sasha when you think about the history of Sasha and the future of Bianca. To me, and and the, and the likelihood of having a great match. Yeah, I think they are the main event match on night one. And I think that the really interesting conversation is, what's that first music you want to hear at the beginning of the night? The first thing we hear in front of crowds in over a year. Right, right. And I think that you know. So okay, I think that everything you said is true. My question is. Have they done enough to tell the story that you just told, that you and I know is true, but has enough been done to sit there and explain to people that maybe haven't been watching as closely as you and I have for the last six or seven years, that haven't sat there and tracked the career of Sasha Banks and and tracked the career of Bianca Belair and are aware of like, okay, Sasha Banks has done kind of the unthinkable and become – arguably the number one woman in the WWE, especially in the last year. Like Sasha Banks was a, one of the great MVPs of the last year of WWE. And then you've got, and she's, and she's had to deal with a lot. Like there've been times where she wasn't the MVP and there've been times where it looked like, Oh, is is, are we going to, is Sasha going to reach the potential that we know she can reach? And she has. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you got Bianca Belair who like, not only, has just more potential than anybody that you've ever seen. But literally every time she's challenged to do something, she exceeds more than you even thought she would. Like she got like somehow she pulled off that moment in the Royal Rumble with no live audience. She still was able to convey all that emotion and and tell that story. Has that story been told for people that aren't watching as closely as you and I? 
I think the Bianca Sasha story has been, let me look down the board here. The, the, the yes, the clunkiest mm-hmm. of all the stories told leading to WrestleMania. It was one that in some ways was the easiest. You know, I think the, the story to tell between Sasha and Bianca is, is Sasha saying, you know, this is my place. And Bianca saying, it's cute that you say that and you've been around longer, but let's be honest. I'm the real version of you. Mm-hmm. Everything that you pretend to be, I am. Mm-hmm. I am the real athlete. I am the real deal. Look at me physically. I can do everything you can do in the ring, and I'm stronger and faster and more talented and younger. That story to me is so easy. And we we did it in this fakakta tag team thing that we now have to always do. I mean, don't get me wrong. It used to get done like it's the Saturday night's main event before WrestleMania and we're going to tag. We, 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 it's not like they reinvented this, but it's become such a repetitive trope of making people tag leading into WrestleMania. And yet I, to the point that you're making by asking the question, mm-hmm. no, it's been a clunk fest and it's been done way too much on the microphone. Um, I, I don't think you want to have Sasha on the mic with Bianca all the time. I think it exposes Sasha. Sasha's greatness is in the ring. And when you hand her a mic repeatedly over and over again and ask her to do it there, I don't think you're helping the promotion of the story. And I don't mean that as a diss. I'm just saying her strength is in, is being one of the best in-ring performers in the business. And I think we've tried to do too much on mic and not enough in-ring to get there. I also think that everything... With Roman Reigns, for instance, everything he's done since he came back at SummerSlam has been amazing. And everything he's done since he came back at SummerSlam has felt like it's a main event thing. But that's also because everything that Roman Reigns has been a part of on SmackDown has been like there's everything else and then there's Roman Reigns. Like there's this thing over here. And I really feel like having... Bianca and Sasha involved with so many other people and with Shayna and with Nia and with all the other stuff going on and Carmella is over here and Reginald is over here and it's like if we had just taken the time to go like no all the stuff is still happening and the Carmella stuff is over here and and like they could have had Carmella team with somebody to start a rivalry with Nia and Shayna and still had the Reginald stuff because the Reginald stuff is entertaining but Mm -hmm. I feel like you should have had there's everything else And then there's this Bianca and Sasha Banks story. Because to me, you have the potential, I think, with Bianca and Sasha to tell an Austin Rock level generational story. Like, I think Bianca and Sasha is a rivalry that can last throughout the rest of their careers, you know, because of that thing that you were just describing. The, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the actual version of you. I'm the better version of you. Like, I'm everything that you are portraying, but I actually am that, you know? This idea that, like, I mean, think about The Rock. Like, Austin's story was I had to work and work and work and work and finally get noticed, and I was never supposed to be here, but now I'm finally here. And then The Rock shows up, and he's like, that's cool for you, but I just showed up and grabbed a mic, and people realized, like, I'm just as good as you, and I didn't have to do any of that other stuff before. And like that's Bianca and Sasha is over here as Austin, going like having. I mean, I, 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 my first interview with Bianca after the Rumble, I said I think you guys can be Austin and Rock. Yes. Um, and I, I, I feel that way. I mean, that's how that's how good they both are. Um, you know, I still think 
like I said, the Banks Mike stuff will make it a different sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'll also tell you, Sasha Banks is the be- maybe the best in ring talent of all four of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. and but but obviously she's the weak link, Mike Wise of that group too. But they they did not. You're right. It, you really put it well. I focused on the fact that they. I would have liked to have seen them. You know, having maybe they each have wrestling matches against the same person, or maybe they back to back matches on SmackDown against two fierce opponents, and they're talking trash about who's going to do better. You know, uh, maybe whatever it is. I don't think we needed to do like this. It's just been a back and forth talk fest. And to your point, mixed in with so much other stuff, isolate them. That's a great point. It's just why are they mixed up in the silliness of Reginald? Right. I mean. Let alone the fact that Carmella all of a sudden, you know, it's like Carmella came back and was about to mean something again. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, where are we doing with that? I don't know. Reginald switching sides. Now. It just <laughs> became a, a kind of a, a whatever, a, a total schmoz in general. But yeah, they needed some separation. The thing is, are they good enough? And I think they are to make that match historic in spite of the build. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's one of those things that we're going to be able to historically look back on just the match and the build won't matter. Like you'll just, it'll be one of those things that you'll go back and I mean, they're like, I mean, going back to Rock Rock Austin, depending on like even the WrestleMania 17 match, like the Rock Austin WrestleMania 17 matches to me by far their best and like the one that I love. But I also click off right before Austin turns heel. Like that part sucked. (laughs) And so it's like, but just because that one little part is like a misstep doesn't take away from this is the generational war. This is the match of the Attitude Era. This is like the match of of that era of wrestling. Okay, so let's talk about uh, that first pop that you're going to get because that's what you brought up. And I think, I think Drew should get it. I think that Drew's music should be the first one. You know, a, a story that's been told amongst fans for the last year or a question that's been asked is like, how does Drew get back that moment? When we walked into WrestleMania last year, I think the real tragedy that people felt, and not the real, I'm sorry, not the global tragedy, the wrestling trend, the global tragedy that people felt was there was a pandemic in the world. <laughs> right, the half a million deaths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, so that would be the wrestling tragedy was that Drew wasn't going to get his moment when he beat Brock, right? Because we all kind of knew that that was what this was all building to. We all felt what we felt at the Royal Rumble in 2020. And so I feel like the best thing that you can do for Drew to get some of that back, if the Drew thing has worked, by the way, like we'll find out on that day. We won't know until that day if the Drew thing has worked because it will all depend on what the audience response is to him. We don't know. That's going to be the most interesting part to me. How are the audience going to respond to a lot of these people? And this is why I don't like the idea. Go ahead. I I, I do not think the crowd reacts well to Drew. It has been, and this is not a personal knock to Drew. Again, this is about storytelling like we just talked about with Sasha and Bianca. I like Drew. Mm-hmm. Drew has felt too forced down people's throats over the last year. And I think the idea of starting with his song and him coming out and doing the sword bit it will be so representative and emblematic of what the pandemic era of wrestling has been. I think you, I think it's a risk you do not take. I think that you go with the first thing you hear is either Seth Rollins music or 
here comes the money. Steel Cage comes down and you hear Shane O'Mac's music. And I just think that going with something that's so based in the, the pandemic. Yes. You don't know what you're going to get. Like if the Hurt Business had stayed together, I would say the Hurt Business music playing and them all walking out would be this moment that might be really cool. But now we're kind of almost dealing with a new thing, which is <laughs> solo Bobby Lashley and how the crowd reacts to that. Right. Which I do not think is the same way they react to the Hurt Business. Which, by the way, is probably strategic. Like they probably, Vince McMahon knows. Like, I mean, you know, people don't like to give him that much credit, but he deserves a lot more credit than he gets, I think. I think that he probably was like, we have to piss off fans a little bit and break up the Hurt Business because otherwise... Bobby's going to get cheered and Drew is going to get booed. And that's, I don't think that that's what WWE wants going into WrestleMania. I think that's why they threw Baron Corbin in at the end right there, because we got, we have to establish that, that Bobby Lashley is a heel. Like, I mean, I don't think it helped that Drew McIntyre basically went on Raw and buried the entire roster before WrestleMania. It wasn't the most like oh, yeah. babyface thing I've ever seen in the world. He just he <laughs> the locker room and beat the hell out of people, you smaller people. Yeah, yeah sure. Just calling everybody wimps. Um, okay, well, what do you think of this then? Because I get that point. I can I can see that. I think that if the hurt business has stayed together, so the problem is that you also want the reaction that you desire, right? So if the Hurt Business had come out first, then I think you are getting cheers for the Hurt Business because I think if there was a live audience, the Hurt Business would have turned babyface six months ago. Like, they're just too good. Um, so that is, that's why even I wouldn't have put Bobby Lashley coming out first because I think he'd get cheered. And then once people are like, well, we cheered that guy, we're going to have to boo Drew. Um, but I think you're right. And, think there, and, there, and, they, and there may be a propensity to boo Drew anyway just because yes. of the last year. Yes, I think there is that risk. Um I think if Rollins comes out first, he'll probably get cheered. I think that's the other thing, too. The first music that Rollins you— Rollins and Cesaro are, sh are surefire cheers just because right. the people that are going down there are hardcore wrestling fans, and those guys are always A-OK -okay with hardcore wrestling fans. But they're just happy that the match exists, right? That's that's the thing. I mean, like, I am. I'm sitting now, there going listen, like, you're, you're putting on Claudio Castagnoli versus Tyler Black at WrestleMania? Yeah, I'm happy about it. Right, exactly. And you can't forget that. Like, this is, that's what we're getting. And so I think that's safe. Now, listen, the Cesaro music isn't like, from a music standpoint, right. impactful. Right. Um, and well, Seth is still coming down out to the Monday Night Messiah music, right? No, he's back to burn it down. He's back to burn it down? Yeah. Which, by the way, I would have popped even more for the Monday Night Messiah. I, thought that was, <laughs> I did too. I loved it. I loved it. I loved I, it. I loved it. <laughs> um, but burn it down too. I mean, either one works, but don't be surprised I don't think we should be surprised if it's here comes the money. Okay, so, all right, so here's what I'm thinking. Although Braun is supposed to be the baby face in that That's match, what I mean. Also, Talk about a wonky story. I mean, that match yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. And I feel like there is a possibility that, like, the same fans that are, I can't believe that Rollins versus Cesaro one-on-one -on -one just straight up is happening at WrestleMania are also saying for all the other reasons and I can't believe we have to sit through Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon in a steel cage. What do you think of it? So you, you want to capture that energy. You want it to be positive and you want it to be positive in the right direction. Baby faces that we can always count on to get the right reaction. What if the New Day's music starts WrestleMania? I, I That was the other one I was going to say. Yeah. The safest, the safest thing on the entire card is just hearing 
Tampa. <laughs> that, that is a yeah. very, very safe way to start. And they deserve um, it too, right? Like, like they, they've done the work that it's like, I, as a fan, Always. you'd be happy to see the New Day get that sort of moment. And then you do start the show with sort of the excitement of getting to see Omos have a match. Right. Um, because he is a spectacle. Like, I mean, yes. that will be something. Yeah. So the only thing that I'm irked at, it, it all ties back to the Hurt Business. Yeah. I I knew when the New Day took the title from the Hurt Business that that meant the Hurt Business was finished. Right. So I resented that title change right. because I was like, I don't want the Hurt Business to break up. Right. And why the hell does the New Day versus AJ and Omos, which just started, why are titles needed? If the New Days are involved, you don't need titles. Right. They just, they are above titles at this point. It's nice. When they get them or lose them, it means nothing. They're the New Day. They are the tag team division. I would so, agree. AJ and Omos getting a win over them could be about nothing but AJ wanting to shut their mouths. Right. Him, no, listen, even nerd fans like us, we don't care that AJ hasn't won a tag title before. No one cares. <laughs> no. No. Like, You're not sitting there going, like, AJ Styles, one of the greatest of all time. He never won a tag title. That, that, that doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. So, so anyways, it didn't need a title, but it's here now. And I am hopeful about Omos. I love having a character like that. Like, I think he has a chance to be, you know, he could be like the great Kali, except maybe he could be really good. And I, I know he's going to the Hall of Fame this year, but I, I almost could be maybe better in ring. He certainly is better. He's certainly way more expressive with his face. He mm -hmm. has a range of emotions. He's actually kind of funny. Mm -hmm. um, I think he could be a cool talent. I know he's very green, but I think he could be a cool talent. So I'm excited to see what he could do. Well, and it doesn't hurt that he's got one of the greatest wrestlers of all time as his partner. So like, there's a lot you can hide behind the fact that AJ Styles is untouchable, right? Yeah. So yeah, I don't, yeah. So I, I would probably, if not, if Drew is too big of a risk, which could be, then I think your other option is is New Day. Because I think that with, with Seth and Cesaro, I think that match is sort of one. A bar. It's two, and also, is that a little pun because of Cesaro, the bar? Wow. <laughs> I think also you really want Cesaro to get cheered, right? Like you really want Cesaro to come across looking like a star. You never thought he's finally getting a singles match at a WrestleMania. So if Seth gets the intro first and between the two of them, if one of them is going to get the first pop, Seth, you're right. Musically burn it down is how you start. I just feel like Seth would come across as the much bigger star, which he is, but well, I don't, here's the thing. I don't think that's the what energy. You go, what if you go Cesaro first? Mm -hmm. Because even though the music's not as recognizable, he's so beloved by by real wrestling fans, which is who the crowd is going to be. Plus, everyone's going to be excited for that match. Mm -hmm. So when they see Cesaro's thing come up on the Titan Tron, people are going to give him his due. You you're actually kind of cheating his cheer by putting yeah. him on first. Yeah, and 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 then you like you can you can zoom in on his face, and that's the moment, right? That's the Hardy Boys returning in in Orlando. That's like that's that WrestleMania moment where you're like this guy who never was going to have a WrestleMania match, who's just, oh, he's the brass, he is the brass ring guy. Like, he's yeah. the guy who got called out by Vince McMahon on television, in real life, not in character. Like, he's the guy that was like, we were all saying, he's there. And the office was saying, eh, he's not there. 
he's here and he's getting that first reaction. Yeah, I think that could be a that could be a pretty magical moment. So I think we're down to it. I think it's going to be either them or the New Day as this as the safe. I mean, if all else fails and there's controversy, I think you just go New Day, guys. We're good. Right. And so do you? Do you, I would probably put New Day first just to be like, let's just New Day's never going to get booed. Never. Like they're the greatest. Never. So do you put Bobby and Drew on semi main? Yeah. 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 Uh, or you do. Um, here's what I think the order could be then. If you go New Day first and then you do. I, th- I, I think you then either go cage match or Cesaro and, and Seth. I think those matches are in the two or three spot. Yeah. And then I and then I think you go Lashley Drew, Bad Bunny Miz, and then Sasha Bianca. Like I'm not I don't I'm not treating I'm not, I know you can't treat Bad Bunny Miz as a popcorn match. But it it, it but is like it, it like it's it's you it know provides a buffer. Yeah, and you know like Shane Shane and Braun you're going to have some big cage spot. That's the whole it has to be distance from the title matches yeah. in that regard. Yeah, I get that. Um, okay, so night two now. Night two, I don't think there's any question. Like, Roman versus Edge versus Brian is, is is the main event of that show. Correct. Now, how do you feel about Brian being added to the match? It's really weird. Like, I'm as I'm reading, you know, the people's opinions and stuff like that, it feels like I read a lot of people wanting Brian to be added to the match. And then once he was added, I'm reading a lot of people that were like, why can't you just leave well enough alone? You're overbooking it now. And I'm like, "What? just relax, guys. Like, I personally, I like it. I I think that uh, my personal preference after the Royal Rumble, I wanted Edge to challenge Drew and to be that kind of generational. I wanted Edge to almost take on the role that The Undertaker took on on the Joe Rogan podcast and kind of be this sort of, you know, this generation has to prove itself to me and then have that be the hurdle that Drew has to get over. Um, so when they did Edge versus Roman, I was like, I'm never going to complain about Edge versus Roman Reigns, but let's see, let's see how this builds. Like, okay, like it's, it's the, it's the biggest challenge that Roman has had certainly, but I think that, I think that they made the right call, you know, in the sense that, that Regardless, like Brian is in this position where he could lose every match and people are still like, I wish he was in the main event of WrestleMania. Um, and and now it's really interesting. I could see any of these three winning. Uh, I think that there is a lot of story coming out of any of these three winning. And the fact that it's a triple threat now means that you can you don't need there are multiple ways you could do this where you don't Roman could lose the title without taking the pin and the Roman Reigns character goes on and maybe you go on to have Roman versus Edge at the next pay-per-view, Roman versus Brian at the next pay-per-view. And I also like that Edge has gotten bitter and kind of turned heel because I don't think that people thought that they were going to go that route. And, you know, I, I, I it actually makes sense to the Edge story where it started being this sweet sort of you know, I never thought that this would happen. You know, I'm just going with the flow. Who would have thought I'd be in the main event of WrestleMania? Oh, gee, golly. You're boring. Yeah. And then it's like, here comes Daniel Bryan, and you're not going to ruin this for me. And you're like, oh, I, I that's. Am, I am. I was. I was hoping that you weren't going there because that that's what I wanted to say. It, to <laughs> me, the whole thing, the everything about this match, however you feel about it, 
is justified by the fact that now we have heel edge. Yeah. That to me is the whole thing. Edge is better like this. Mm -hmm. This is who he, listen, there, there are two generations of edge really. Mm -hmm. And of the latter generation of edge, which was his biggest run. He was by far at his biggest when he was a bad guy. And the second he came out with the new, with, with his old, you know, real rated R superstar version of edge. Um, once we got to see that, um, you were like, Oh yeah. Edge. Right. <laughs> this guy's awesome. Yeah. Cause, Cause up till then, you know, we already got the excitement of him coming back a year ago. We got the, the pop at the, at the rumble and it was awesome. And we saw him in that. Oh, shucks. I can't believe I'm back for a while, but the truth is he is better this way. And it's, it, it is a better, more interesting WrestleMania with that edge involved. And I think you're right. Roman leaves WrestleMania without being pinned. And yeah. I think that's important too. And like, you're never going to have a bigger baby face in the world than Daniel Bryan. Like you're never, it's, it's going to be one of those things like Daniel Bryan potentially winning the WWE championship. And Bryan's at a point in his career where people are looking, going like, you're not feeling like this is just a, a monkey wrench thrown into it. You're looking at this going like they might put the title on Daniel Bryan. There's a, of course, there's you a, you can't look at it like it's just some throwaway. It's no, Bryan. right. There's at least a 33 and a third percent chance that Bryan leave. And I did my Steiner math and that's as good as it's going to get in a triple threat. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've liked, I, I think that uh, Edge, I love that Edge has come back, not just for like a glory run, not just to like have fun, but it really feels like Edge has come back to, tol to tell good stories, you know, because everything that Edge has been involved in, like I, I, I just, I, I really, I love this version of Edge that's there because he loves wrestling and he loves storytelling. And I, I think that this is, this is by far the best story going in. And I think that making it a triple threat and adding Brian has added a layer to the story that makes it so that you care. Like, it's not just about seeing three superstars in that match. It's like, I care about the ramifications. And that's important because every match that Roman has had, right? Like, all of Roman's main events have had some kind of interference. You've kind of known, like you didn't think KO was going to win the championship. You didn't think Jey Uso was going to win the championship, but none of it mattered because you had faith in the fact that this version of Roman Reigns is a storytelling machine. And I feel like we finally got into a place going into WrestleMania where Roman still has just as much storytelling ability, but for the first time, we're also saying and he might lose the title. And what does that look like? Yeah, and and w being that he's he does want to tell good stories and he wants to work with all these people, of course he wants to work with them at his best. And to me, the ultimate opportunist, rated our superstar Edge, that is the best version of Edge. And especially as an old dude, he looks kind of evil now. Like his general look is easier to turn into looking really bad. Right. Um. Right. I just, this, this is, this is better. Yeah. And I'm excited yeah. to see whether I, I, any outcome I think is interesting um, of this match. Yeah. Grizzled turns into bitter very easily. And I think that's what we're, that's what we're executing because edge comes back looking grizzled and it's like, yeah, but what if we just, what if we just tip that a little bit and now he's a grizzled bitter veteran and you're like, yeah, right. Yeah. And I get that. I and like I, that. and he should be bitter, right? I mean, this is a guy who, when he left, it was like, what? 
Like, and he's still underrated for his run. Like his stuff that he did, he's one of the best main event heels in the last 15 years. And people don't put him on that list. They don't give him credit for that. Like, I, I, I mean, he is as important to John Cena, I think, as Randy Orton is. Like, he's, oh, he's me too. yeah, uh, he's, me, he's he, he, Edge was, uh, you could argue Edge was the number one foil for John Cena. I so. would argue that. Like, he's my favorite foil for, I would probably do Edge, Orton, Punk would probably be my list in that order for Cena. Yeah. And I think, I, I think Orton may, may be the better wrestler. But but Edge to me was the more interesting character. Oh yeah, to Cena. Yeah, Edge was the better professional wrestler. Like right. you know the whole sports entertainer thing. But I mean they were both in the greatest wrestling match of all time. So what are you gonna do? That big, is confirmed fact. Big straws. Um. So in terms of opening night two of of WrestleMania, that's a little more complicated. I think uh, you can't really do. Are you? You know I'm a horror movie fan, so you know I'm loving The Fiend's wackiness. Like, from the beginning, like, this wasn't, this was never pro wrestling to me. This was always Jason Voorhees to me. So every step of the way, when The Fiend came back and he was all burned up and everything, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly, that's what happened when Jason goes to hell. He doesn't come back looking like he wasn't in hell. He comes back no, looking. It looks like you went to hell. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's hell, <laughs> you know? When, me, give the guy a break. Yeah. When Jason gets burned alive and he comes back, it'd be ridiculous if he came back not looking burned alive. Like, he's, he was burned alive. Like, let's not. But he's Jason Voorhees. So, you know, I, I it's it's really, this is, this is, to me, a very interesting match because Randy Orton has had the best, year and a half of his career, I think, which nobody saw coming. Um, yes, but, and that's only because he's had such a long career. Like, this should be the Twilight kind of part. This should be the coasting. And I feel like he's at, he's working at a higher level than he's ever worked. However, there's something about Randy and Bray that when they get together, it's got all this potential. And then you're like, ah, it missed. Like, WrestleMania in Orlando with like the projections on the ring and stuff, you were like, ah, it missed. And the horror house match that they did years ago, ah, like I got it, but it just, it just missed. So I still walk into this with potential, but it's also the first time that we're seeing this sort of very, very supernatural version of The Fiend exist in a world where it has to be done in front of a live crowd. We can't use tricks in the Thunderdome, which I think is, uh, it's leaving a lot of questions. Well, yeah. And I just think about how, how much it sucked when he got pinned on a stage by Goldberg and Saudi Arabia. Oh, we don't talk about that match. There's a couple of matches. We don't talk about Yeah, That actually, it didn't happen. Like, so, so I'm I'm so, I'm unfamiliar with that particular match. Yeah, no, it didn't happen. So yeah. so yeah, I think this is going to be. I wonder if this goes full produced, and they kill the lights at the stadium and then throw it on the big screen, and it's a movie for everyone. Does that put whatever comes next? Like, let's say that's the semi-main. Does that put the main at a disadvantage? Because it's like, do you bring twenty-five thousand people back for the first time, and make them watch a cinematic match? Well, I mean, you have a lot of other great stuff because you have that triple threat, because you have Asuka and Rhea. Um, I don't know. 
You know, listen, I don't, it's about, to me, it's not about that. You can't overthink about what you owe the people because they're back. I think you have to think about what's going to be the best form of entertainment mm-hmm. um, for everyone, for mm-hmm. the audience. It's only, dude, we're talking about 30,000 people there. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about hopefully millions watching at home, right? So you have to deliver the best thing you can deliver. I personally would enjoy the lights being killed and kind of watching it on the screen. I, I think it would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that at all, but it depends, I guess, where you put it. But I do think that's a weird match to have with fans there. And I know you've been into it, and I'm a I'm a huge horror guy myself. I this has been clunky too. There's been there have been moments here that I'm lost at. Um, I understand Dip loves it too. He's just like whatever. I guess maybe I'm a little bit biased towards it against it because on the kickoff shows, it's very hard to analyze without just being ridiculous right like what do you say about the fiend right now when you're on a wrestling show right like, yeah it, yeah i well, mean it yeah what magical powers he uses of course right like i think about like when you talk about like let's say they were doing that at, at an nxt takeover and i'm sitting there talking about like walter and champa and how these are like this it's so legitimate and they're so gonna fight and it's gonna be physical and then it's like and do you think the fiend's gonna get involved and you're like oh i forgot we're talking about make believe. We're talking about like <laughs> we're talking about fun and make believe and and anything and, is possible. With yeah. this so I don't know what they do. I, I, I'm not. It's that one's a hard one to speculate on. Um, I, that's why I tend to lean towards production would probably be the best route, as opposed to something that's just really. I don't know. They all of a sudden have a regular wrestling match now. It would be funny, yeah, if he just came out as Husky Harris, like he just ripped the mask off yeah, and here's trunks, Husky Harris, yeah, <laughs> elbow trunks. pads, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I also get excited because I'm like, uh, there's something about the WWE showing pentagrams on their TV that are legit pentagrams every week that I'm like, whoa, like I, when that first pentagram showed up, I'm like, we're showing pentagrams now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go full Lil Nas X on this. Like, let's. let's oh, let's... You were, oh, yeah, God, you must be so excited about the Lil Nas X video. So excited. Got, I mean, it's got horror. It's got uh, Nike's. And you got you got politicians worried about, you know, the kids turning into Satanists like whenever the politicians are worried that the children are going to become Satanists. I'm on board, you know. Yeah, you're in. I'm in. You are fully- I'm, yeah, I love it. I love the whole conversation. Um, so I think uh, so on night two, you've got the Fiend and Randy. You got the triple threat. You got Oscar versus Rhea, which. I think a lot of people questioned how we got there. Uh, I didn't mind it so much just because of Rhea's history. I think here's the only thing, and I said this on the podcast, the only thing that I would have changed about Rhea just coming out and challenging Asuka for a match, even though she's never had a match on Raw, I wish that they just would have reversed it. Instead of doing Asuka versus Peyton Royce, have Rhea versus Peyton, have Rhea kick her ass, and then after Rhea beats Peyton, then she calls out Asuka following that victory so at least then we've got that establishment like okay Peyton was on raw talk claiming that she is owed an opportunity Rhea just beat the person who's owed an opportunity so Rhea asking for an opportunity makes a little more sense um that's a little nitpicky because I think this is going to be another one that once we get to the match we're going to have the match this is not going to be uh, we're not going to be looking back on the story. It's do no. they have an awesome match? And we go, remember when they first had that match at WrestleMania? Exactly. That. This is the beginning of the story. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Sometimes WrestleMania matches are a culmination. Every once in a while, though, they're the beginning. This is the beginning of this, the story. This is the beginning. It's the beginning of Rhea Ripley's story, really, uh, on the main roster anyway. You got uh, the Nigerian drum fight. Did you see, did you see that 
Apollo versus Big E is now a Nigerian drum fight? I saw that. I'm not familiar with the rules of the Nigerian drum fight, but I saw that it was announced. You know, I actually Googled because so much of, and I actually like that, that Apollo's, so much of his character is based in a legitimate cultural identity, that it's not just sort of made up stereotypes. It's actually, you know, drawn from Apollo's roots. So I actually did Google Nigerian drum fight to see, is, is this like a real thing? I couldn't find any data. On it's not, okay, it's not a real thing. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't find any specific data, but maybe I could have, uh, maybe I need to search more. I don't know. I just, I just personally, I'm not a journalist. You know, no, I'm a commentator. You did the basic work. You did the basics. I did the basics. So and check. Yeah, yeah. And I, I couldn't find anything. So I'm not 100% sure of the rules on that one. Um, it is tough, though, to see what what is first. Like, what's that moment first? It's It's kind of tough on this card. I feel like for me, the first match is Riddle versus Sheamus. You know, I think that Sheamus's music is a good first music. Like, I, it's not as important because you could have some matches on the pre-show. You've already had that moment on Saturday. So it's not like you're trying to repeat the exact same moment. This is not the not. first time in front of fans. So I think Sheamus's music coming out first works. And I think starting the match with Matt Riddle and Sheamus just kicking the crap out of each other is a pretty strong way to start WrestleMania. Agreed. Yeah. It's safe. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's not like a super important story, but they'll have a good wrestling match. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I love, I love that they just decided like two weeks ago, to, like let's do Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. Like, I love that that's the sort of talking about long-term rivalries that that's the Batman-Joker relationship that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have, that sometimes they'll have matches where it'll be like, this is everything, this is a blood feud, this is a rivalry that's lasted for years. And other times it'll just be like, they're not getting along very well right now. So they're going to have this match. So <laughs> I love that. It's so true. I love oh, that. So this is just, it just becomes a little chapter. Like, oh yeah, and they had that Logan Paul match at WrestleMania. It's so true. That's a great point. It's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. When you look at this card... When you look at this card, the 12 matches, yeah. do you feel that you can't help but think if you stripped it down to eight, it would be a solid, solid WrestleMania? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, if you did Sasha and Bianca, Bobby and Drew, you got to keep Bad Bunny and The Miz because yeah, this, no matter what. you got to have a celebrity. Um, keep Cesaro I mean, and Seth. Obviously, keep Cesaro and Seth. You, you're keeping for wrestling purposes. For wrestling purposes Roman. and Roman, yeah. Obviously, the Roman match. Obviously, the Oscar match. And then so. the Fiend. At this point, the Fiend and and, and Randy. You gotta have. There. You gotta have the Fiend and Randy. And then, and then I'll probably put the New Day match on, just because, like you said, almost is a spectacle, and the New Day is always that is so a good. good. Yeah, and then and then it, and then if you want to have Kevin Owens and and Sami Zayn or Big E and Apollo, you could have had either of those, and that would have put it at nine. Right, if you wanted to, if you want, if you wouldn't you necessarily have to. You know, I I think that I think you that could there have was at eight. right, yeah, because I think I think there was more going into Big E and Apollo at Fastlane than this time. Like I I I said that I wanted Apollo to win the Intercontinental Championship at Fastlane. So the story going into WrestleMania is Big E trying to get the title back. And that way it kind of... I wouldn't have been mad at that. Yeah, yeah. And so now, especially because, you know, we got a little wonky uh, at the end of Fastlane there, figuring out who won between Big E and Apollo and just the weird finish. Um, I think that, that that wasn't the most helpful thing in the world. But, man, 
I'm excited. I'm excited. I love that WrestleMania week is 10 days this year. I love that we've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So nine days. I love that we've got WWE programming for the next nine days. Um, I love that there's going to be fans back. Uh, I'm, I'm, That's what I'm most excited about. I'm excited about, for the whole uh, thing. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be yeah, awesome. I, the, the, very curious to how it's going to feel um, to be to walk out there and look around and see some crowd there. But that's going to be a, an interesting, the whole thing is going to be weird and wacky and seeing what the pods look like. And mm-hmm. yeah. And just like, I just the whole thing, feeling the energy, hearing the noise, that kind of like just the noise of conversation happening and realizing that. Well, no. yeah. And, and, and honestly, and a God, I, I am, I cannot wait to never hear pumped in sound again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Especially. And I don't want to ever like, like superstars reacting to pumped in sound as if it's not some guy that's pumping the sound in. I'm like, like, like when guys react to booze or as if people are actually doing it, I'm like, wait, I know, like, don't like it. Yeah. We're not, it's gotta be ambient. If you're going to do it, it can't be specific. Right. And it's just been a real struggle to get the levels exactly right. Right. Like sometimes there are promos when there are, when there's a full crowd, Sometimes there are promos where there's basically no noise. Yeah. Right. Like in real life, there are quiet promos sometimes. Yeah. And according to pumped in sound, there's always a loud murmur or cheering or booing always. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just ready for like, it's just a reminder of how we, the fans are like that. That has been, I'm so excited to see what happens in the next year to me again. WrestleMania this year is not about being a culmination. Mm-hmm. It's about it being a beginning. And I'm excited for the next year. Yeah, man. The whole th- everything could change. Once fans get back regularly, I mean, it's not, things aren't going to look the same. And it's going to get really, really interesting. Uh, it's always good talking to you, man. Of course, uh, Peter Rosenberg, host of the Cheap Heat podcast that you can get wherever you get podcasts. Wherever you got this podcast, just look up Cheap Heat. And you can get Peter Rosenberg's podcast with uh, SGG. Stack guy Greg, who by the way is a lurker in the Not Sam Wrestling Patreon uh, Discord room. Really? Oh, he pops up. He pops up in there. SGG every now and then. He was like, really? when, "Yeah, Listen, yeah." I popped up uh, this past Friday. I popped up for about. I, I gave him a good fifteen minutes to Sam Roberts uh, live on YouTube. I was in there. What do we think? Watching some Sammy programming. How do we feel? We're talking about. And that's why I checked out because I I wasn't as I wasn't caught up all the way. So when you started going deep into the QAnon documentary, <laughs> I didn't know what it was anymore. I was I was curious though. I was like, I'm kind of interested in this, but I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Well, see, that's- I I I enjoy I enjoy your show for two reasons. One, just sheer production quality. I mean, it's a beautiful program. Amazing, right? And it's just like so, sometimes I just want to put you on mute and just look at the whole show. I don't know. Like, this is something. <laughs> look at what my guy has done here. And no, there's a there's a good energy to it. So I, I where is that doc, by the way? It's on HBO Max. It's uh, There's four parts of it. I think, well, by the time this comes out, either five or all six have dropped. Um, yeah, we're getting to the bottom of who, who Q is. We're figuring it out. And I was like, yeah. Let's- and by the way, before I before I go, because it's important, are you watching Snowfall? No, but I keep, I mean, it's one of those shows that, should I drop you everything? You need to bring in your people. You need to alert the Sam Roberts universe and be talking about Snowfall. It's Done. the shit. Done. So fucking good. Done. I just rewatched uh, the complete series of Oz on HBO. Remember that show, Oz? Of course. But did you watch? Be- Wait, the guy died, right? Is it the end of you were watching it? Who died? The dude from Oz just died. Did he? 
Which you, one? You didn't see that? Mm-mm. Um, hold on. Yeah, because I forgot. Like that show gets real bad. <laughs> um, um, Craig Mums Grant. Uh, Mums. Oh shit! I didn't know he died. Yeah, he died like last week. Yeah, that's a bummer. Ah. Oh. Yeah, and literally just as you were watching it. But no, it. it Poe was the man. To him. But if you um. I, I always snowfall is I know this is really lofty and of course it's not exactly that, but in terms of what it deals with, it's kind of breaking bad meets narcos and mixed with just beautiful eighties feeling cinematography and music, like the level to which they do the early eighties. It's just, it's, it's great. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. That's awesome. Was, was, John Singleton involved in that in it's the his show. It so was he, right. It, he he was the EP and in the beginning. Like when the show first came out, him and the star came up to hot. That's I awesome. Didn't end up watching it for another three years. Ah. But he came and promoted it and was the executive producer. He doesn't direct the shows, but he was heavily involved. But he died, I think, after season one or during season two, something like that. But right. they're now in the middle of four, and it's still still highest, good. Highest to me, it's highest level TV right now. Is Snowfall good? I'm gonna watch it. Thank you for the recommendation. Hey, we'll talk this week, Sammy. Thanks, buddy. I love it. Thank you, my friend. Peace, guys. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.